the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Abraham Lincoln warned that the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Would you like to know what's being taught in today's classrooms? Welcome to Say What? with attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. They'll explore the issues facing children, parents, and society as a result of the public schools and the forces behind them. Say What is the radio program of Protect Our Kids, which seeks to inform and equip concerned citizens about the looming crisis in American education. So listen in as your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr., unpack the issues and organizations affecting our children. And now here's your hosts, Mark Schneider and George Roska Jr. Hello, everyone. I'm George Roska. And I'm Mark Schneider. And we want to welcome you to today's episode 113 of Say What, where we talk about the threats to our children in the public school system, including the impact of the transgender tsunami that is crashing on the shores of every public and private institution of America. That's right, George. You know, the topic of transgenderism is the hottest of the hot button issues these days. In fact, the L, G, and B have quickly lost their publicity ratings and succumbed to the ever-increasing and tyrannical nature of the T. It seems like everyone is bowing down to the transgender T nowadays. Well, George, as you know, this is a continuation of last week's episode 112, uh, where we continue with part two of this very important topic. Yes, so we started talking about the Christian Medical and Dental Association's annual conference that we were able to attend, and I was able to be in, in the audience for a very important two-part lecture uh, by Dr. Andre Van Mole mm-hmm. titled Gender Dysphoria, the Transgender Tsunami, and Our Response. Um, and last week, we tried to give you a synopsis of part one of that lecture, which is an hour long. <laughs> and today, we're trying to give you uh, part two of that lecture, which is also an hour long. Uh, but the good news, and this was so encouraging for me, Mark, was that uh, usually these sessions occurred in smaller breakout rooms. Well, both of these sessions were planned for the smaller breakout rooms. That's what was printed on the conference schedule. Yeah. But... Somehow, the organizers caught wind from a bunch of the people who were there saying, you know, I'm going to go to that session too. I'm going to go to that session too. This one's really interesting. And they realized quickly that they won't have room in the breakout session rooms because those probably pushed around like 120 capacity. So they ended up doing it in the big auditorium where full 1,000 plus people could attend. And looking around the room, it was it was over 50% full. Oh my. So you had over 500 doctors who were in there, probably just like me drinking out of the fire hose because um, <laughs> Dr. Van Mol was presenting with his 78 pages of notes wow. just sliding down on the sc- you know the big screen in front of us he was just scrolling through his notes we had access to his notes as well on the app because the conference had an app and we were able to download them his notes had 370 footnotes which is characteristic of him he does his homework oh my goodness and so when i saw that i was like parents have to hear 
what this man has to say. Absolutely. Um, and so we're just trying to summarize that. And we'll, we'll start off with just a quick summary of, of part one, which we did last time. Let's do that. Um, well, here, here's, here's what his research discovered and which was presented at, the, at this event. Number one, the gender dysphoria is a diagnosis, whereas transgenderism, and this is really an important point, it's an ideology, it's an orthodoxy, it's a, it's a worldview. There's a big difference between the two, gender dysphoria and transgenderism. Second, the natural course of gender dysphoria is desistance by adulthood, conservatively in 85% of the cases, unless it's affirmed. And then it goes, it can go the other direction. And of course, by desistance, we mean that they become comfortable with their biological uh, sex. Number three, gender dysphoria carries the overwhelming probability of an underlying mental health issue. Adverse childhood experiences, autism spectrum disorder, this is really interesting, and not surprisingly, troubled family dynamics. Uh, number four, the probability of both desistance and underlying mental health and family issues is why watchful waiting with mental health evaluation and support for both parent and family has been the standard of care for minors with gender dysphoria. It's not so much anymore, but that's the way it used to be, very wisely so. Uh, the next one, international pushback in the scientific, judicial, and legislative realms is rising against transition-affirming medical interventions in minors. And, George, this is so encouraging to me. You're starting to see it in news publications. Yes. Uh, hopefully it's the beginning of a wave that will start to push back against it. Not yet, but we're starting to see it. Um, next, transition affirmation is not proven to be safe or effective long-term. It does not reduce suicides. And it does not repair mental, the underlying mental health issues and trauma. And finally, George, there is always a more honest way to deal with gender confusion than chemical sterilization and surgical mutilation of healthy young bodies. And, and that's the way we need to talk about these things. And we have to stop using the verbiage, you know, of, of the left. So, um, you know, that was a great summary. Parents, I hope that, you know, it, it was easy to understand. If you want more details on that, you can go back to our episode 112. But we left off with this mental health issues, right? And the overwhelming majority of the gender dysphoric have other mental health issues. And what's starting to really come out is this whole idea of autism spectrum disorder. The data is showing us that more and more of these children who are suffering from, you know, this transgender ideology are, are really on the spectrum. On the spectrum, yeah. Somewhere. And, and so that, that's very important to understand. But one of the things we also tried to, to tell, you know, parents here on the last episode was we've known this for a long time. And yeah. that's why we keep on mentioning the, the dates of a lot of these studies. And this is where it gets to be criminal of what the medical and psychological associations within America and around the world have been doing. Um, and so uh, same thing today. We're going to continue on this mental health underlying issues topic. Um, and here are some really key bullet points that I took out from Dr. Andre Van Mol. The year is 2014. This time, four European nations did a study which found that almost 70% of people with gender identity disorder had a current or a lifetime 
diagnosis in the mental health realm. Something else. Some other mental health issue. Something else. And so that was a trigger to the gender identity, gender dysphoria issue. Seven out of ten. 2015, a report out of Finland's Gender Identity Services found 75% of adolescents um, had been undergoing psychiatric treatment for reasons other than gender dysphoria. Very interesting. Which 26% of those were on the autism spectrum Mm. and 87% of them were female. This is something that Abigail Schreier in her book, Irreversible Damage, points out too, that the social contagion that we're seeing affects females more than it does males. I mean, it does affect males, but females are particularly affected by this. Exactly. And and Abigail wrote her book in 2019, and she used a lot of Dr. Littman's data, which we're going to talk about here from Mm. 2018 from Brown University, which she was the one that coined the term rapid onset gender dysphoria. But this is already in 2015, a published study in Finland meaning that the doctors were using data from 2014, 2013. So we're talking about at least a decade ago, there was already documentation for this. Um, Kaiser Permanente did a study in 2018 titled Mental Health of Transgender and Gender Nonconforming Youth Compared with Their Peers. And this was out of 8.8 million members gleaned from the state of Georgia and California From electronic medical records, here's what they saw. Higher rates of psychiatric disorders and suicidal ideation before gender non-congruence was even prevalent in in the teen, before it was even detected. This supports the earlier conclusion that there are pre-existing mental and emotional health issues attached to people that fall into this gender dysphoria category. And, and the rates in the six months before the first minding, finding of this gender non-concurrence found that the psychological disorders were seven times higher overall mm-hmm. in these youth with, with, you know, gender dysphoria. Wow. Um, psychiatric hospitalizations, 22 to 44 times higher. Self-harm, 70 to 144 times higher. Times. Times. In suicidal ideation, twenty-five to fifty-four times higher. I the I've never seen this before. I mean, no. the, these are numbers, and these are you know bullet points from his presentation, and these are coming from you know twenty eighteen. So this is five years ago. Five years ago, we already knew all the stuff, and the media is silent about it. Absolutely, Australia, twenty twenty one. Uh, and this was a prospective study from a multidisciplinary pediatric gender service. They found that there was high level of distress, suicidal ideation, self-harm, and suicide attempts in patients before they were even diagnosed with gender dysphoria. High rates of comorbid mental health disorders such as anxiety, 63%, depression, 62%, behavioral disorder. 35% and autism nearly 14%. Again, saying everything that we've already talked about. Uh, Mark, 2018, Dr. Lisa Littman's parental survey of rapid onset gender dysphoria. Yeah, she found that 62.5% of gender dysphoric adolescents had a, quote, a psychiatric disorder or neurodevelopmental disability, again, before the onset of gender dysphoria. 12.3% prevalence of autism spectrum disorder 
And uh, over 48% had experienced a traumatic or stressful prior event. And George, just to underscore this, this is data not just from a, a localized study and one particular geography. This is happening around the world. It is. It's well documented. It is. And, and to continue now, in the UK, the whole Tavistock debacle uh, in 2019, here's one of the quotes from the paper. The majority had an existing diagnosis of an autism spectra condition or would be likely to obtain one. Wow. Another quote, autism spectrum disorder is significantly overrepresented among transgender adolescents. Autistic transgender adolescents experience significantly greater internalizing symptoms compared to allistic transgender and autistic cisgender groups. In addition to stigma-related associations with mental health, ASD-related cognitive and neurodevelopmental factors, i.e. poor uh, functioning and greater social symptoms, were associated with worse mental health. Basically, what this very technical quote is trying to tell us, once again, autism spectrum is a huge part of people who became gender dysphoric who already were on the spectrum before that. Yeah, I guess it begs the question, why autism spectrum? Why are these kids uh, more uh, privy to fall into this gender dysphoria category? Well, one reason Dr. Mole points out, is concrete thinking problems, trouble with abstractions, a tendency to lock onto ideas, and they become convinced that they're different because they're trans, not because they have some underlying condition. Exactly, exactly. Uh, the other thing that Dr. Uh, Mole presented here is uh, personality disorders are very common among gender dysphoric yeah, this patients. Is, this is really interesting. And narcissism was a, a one that he really pointed out. That was the top one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, looking at eight different studies, Zucker reported most found 50 to 80% prevalence of lifetime comorbid uh, psychopathology in adults with gender dysphoria, including a 20 to 20 to 60% prevalence of personality disorders. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, in Iran, same thing among people requesting to have uh, SRS, uh, that's quote for um, surgery, uh, sexual uh, surgery, right, to, to get sexual reassignment surgery. 81.4% mm-hmm. uh, had personality disorder, of which the number one personality disorder was narcissism at 57.1%. Yeah. Uh, and then he also mentioned something very interesting here, the autogenoph- autogenophilia. Uh, which was common among the adult males who were dealing with gender uh, dysphoria. Uh, the propensity, which is the propensity of certain males to be erotically aroused by the thought or image of themselves as women. So again, these, these personality disorders are another huge uh, part of this. Um, in 2021, um, uh, another study here that was, that came out of the clinical child psychology and psychiatry. Um, that's now going to be talking about um, social transitioning because this seems to be the very first step that is taken, and now especially in schools. And we've already talked about, Mark, you brought up at one of our last episodes, the parental secrecy policies. Oh, yeah, yeah. And those are all aimed at this whole social transitioning yep, that's plan. That's the goal, and they're proliferating all over the it, country. Exactly. 
and you know, some might think, well, th- those are not harmful. Harmful. We're not, we're not giving them puberty blockers. We're not giving them, you know, hormone therapy. We're we're not doing the gender mutilation surgery, right? They're not doing it themselves, but they're brokering these services with medical providers off campus. Co- correct. So the the, <clears throat> the schools are able to hide really well behind just the first phase of which is social transitioning yeah because there's nothing medical to it just yet right um but let's see what are the harms of social transitioning and here here's a quote therefore claims that gender affirmation through transitioning socially is beneficial for children with gender dysphoria could not be supported by the present result. Instead, the study highlights the importance of individual social support provided by peers and family, independent of exploring additional possibilities of gender transition during counseling. Really interesting, George. And, and the study goes on to say that affirming parents don't affirm the statistics for continued uh, mental health issues. Also, uh, here's a quote, whereas Olson et al. and Derwood, McLaughlin and Olson concluded that transgender children with strong parental support had, at worst, only slightly higher levels of anxiety with no differences in self-worth or depression, a reanalysis of their findings suggests otherwise, with slightly higher levels of depression, but significantly and substantially meaningful differences in anxiety and self-worth and with results favoring cisgender children, even when the transgender children had high levels of parental support for their gender transitioning, close quote. We're not saying this, is what the study points out. And that's a powerful one. When I read that one, I was like, wow, even even the social transitioning here is a problem. Um, and, And we need to, you know, talk about it and put it out there. Which is the argument that we hear all the time that we need to support gender, quote, gender affirming care, because if we don't, it's going to lead to further mental health issues and maybe even suicide. Exactly. That's that's the common uh, yarn that we hear over and over again. It's just not true. Exactly. So parents, let's walk you through those steps of the transition plan, social transition, puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and then gender mutilation surgery. Those that's are the that. four steps. Each one of those four is dangerous to children. Life-altering. Life-altering. And even after you get over the final stage with this mutilation surgery, it doesn't stop there, George. You have a lifetime of continued drug therapy and counseling. Exactly. 2020, Nordic Journal of Psychiatry. Here was a quote from their conclusion section. Medical gender reassignment is not enough to improve functioning and relieve psychiatric comorbidities among adolescents with gender dysphoria. Appropriate interventions are warranted for psychiatric comorbidities comorbidities and problems in adolescent development. And here's one more quote. An adolescent's gender identity concern must not become a reason for failure to address all her or his other relevant problems in the usual way. Yeah, which is exactly what is happening. That's exactly what is happening. So patients come in with these typical, what we already talked about, underlying mental health issues. Doctors look at them, and instead of doing the right thing, they are just saying, oh, yeah, you're gender dysphoric or you're transgender, and boom, do you want to be put on pu- puberty blockers? Oh, do you want cross-sex hormone uh, hormones? Oh, 
we can also, you know, do that top surgery for you. I mean, that is how evil um, this has become. Whereas the medical community has known all along, and we've quoted dates here back from 2014, we've known all along these people are suffering from something else. Yeah. And we're not treating them for or that. Or if they don't know, George, then they're deliberately ignorant. Uh, they have not taken the time to look into the data uh, that, that is there for anybody to see. This, this is not hard to find. And now, so here is a very interesting one from Withers 2020, another report. Trans identification and its associated medical treatment can constitute an attempt to evade experiences of psychological mm. distress. That is interesting because yeah. <laughs> if if you would say that to a patient here in America, you would be oh my goodness, you you would be accused by you know all of the the, the entire medical profession, right? That you you are not providing gender affirming care. Um, you know, how dare you question patients, you know, self-diagnosis? Cause that's all it takes today. That's all it takes. A child can just say, I'm transgender and boom, the entire world has to agree with it. Yeah, right? Starting at 12 years old. He goes on to caution, quote, this puts young trans people at risk of receiving potentially damaging medical treatment that they may later seek to reverse or come to regret while their underlying psychological issues remain unaddressed. Haxi Horvath, recently retired University of California from San Francisco uh, epidemiologist who was once trans. Here's a quote. There have been no rigorous studies conducted ever of any psychological intervention to help gender dysphoric youth to cope effectively with their gender dysphoria and thereby become more comfortable in their bodies. Yeah, he goes on to say, quote, there is absolutely no good reason why gender dysphoria has essentially been excluded from 15 years of research in new transdiagnostic approaches to treating people with depression and anxiety disorders. It's outrageous that no trials have been done of cognitive behavioral therapy, dialectical behavioral therapy, mindfulness therapy, and other new approaches to reduce rumination, cognitive bias generation, and other maladaptive coping that may be prodormal or concurrent with the emergence of gender dysphoria, as well as to treat patients concurrently experiencing the condition. Gender dysphoria is not sui generis, unique, super special. It is well within the spectrum of conditions efficaciously treated with trans diagnostic approaches. I mean, this is like <laughs> bingo, yeah. bullseye. Why hasn't the medical community allowed for these studies to take place? Why is nobody interested in having these such studies take place, right? Good, good question. It's very deliberate. Um, so, Mark, I know we, we're running out of time here. So um, one last thing that I really appreciated Dr. Mole for putting in his presentation is towards the end, he had a section for parents. And he said, parents, you are swimming against the tide. Your children are being influenced by the culture, entertainment, academia. He said, remove your children from the public schools. This is a message that POK has been preaching for three years now. Yes. It's good to hear it from a medical professional that understands the data and has done the research. And he says, concerned parents, you are on the right side of truth and reality. You don't need to be an expert in gender dysphoria to know how to deal with this. Maintain the courage of your convictions and of common sense. Don't give in. 
I couldn't have said it any better, George. Well, this is such an important topic. We've really only touched the surface of it. I think, George, this is one we need to come back to again and again. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week on Say What? You've been listening to Say What? The radio ministry of Protect Our Kids, where they seek to inform and equip concerned citizens about the crisis in American public education and the forces working against our children. Join us at this same time every Saturday as attorney Mark Schneider and Pastor George Roska Jr. unpack the issues so that we can better safeguard our nation's children. For more information about this program or Protect Our Kids, email the show at info at protectourkidsnow.org. That's info at protectourkidsnow.org. And join Mark and George right here next week at this same time for another episode of Say What? Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.